Welcome to the Hartwell Studio Works Sports Branding Podcast. I'm John Hartwell. I'm the creative director for Hartwell Studio Works, a sports branding shop in Atlanta, Georgia. Strategic plans are a familiar part of the business of higher education. We usually see them used by institutions, but it's not uncommon today to see them also be used by athletics departments. Now, there's a lot of overlap between a successful strategic plan and a successful branding project. Both are grounded in mission, vision, and value statements, which define and differentiate a program, communicating who a program is and why that program matters. To talk about the process of developing those important mission, vision, and value statements, I am joined by Dr. Paul Plinsky, the Vice President for Athletics and Strategic Partnerships at Colorado State University Pueblo. Paul, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, John. I'm honored to be a part of this conversation with you today. Thank you so much. So here we want to talk about mission, vision, and values, but I thought it might be helpful to maybe start the conversation by taking a step back and providing some context. These things don't happen, these types of projects don't happen in a vacuum. So let's start with why did CSU Pueblo Athletics engage in a strategic planning process in the first place? What was the problem that needed to be addressed by an athletics strategic plan? So I came here in 2018 and I was hired by President Timothy Mote. And during the time that he was involved as our president, uh, he initiated Vision 2028, which is the new CSU Pueblo mission and vision. Uh, during that time, he also asked me to start thinking about a strategic plan for intercollegiate athletics, and he wanted it to incorporate it into the fabric of our university and the university's mission statement. And so the, the need precipitated from the fact that we had a, a strategic plan in athletics, but it was old, it was not dusted off, um, and it wasn't actually very active and alive. And so I was charged by our president to, to bring it to life, but to make it more practical and real to the current setting that we're in, also under his leadership as our president within the mission and the vision of the university. So there's a lot of collaborative effort, um, but it was mainly meant to, uh, to freshen up where we were and make it collaborative with the institution. Very good. So you've already started with mission and, and, and vision here. So let's talk about anchoring that strategic planning in that mission, vision, and by extension, those value statements. Why are those statements important to strategic planning? So when we look at these areas, um, the research shows that whether it's a, a company, small or large, whether it's an institution, small or large, an athletic department, division one, two, or three, junior college, uh, what have you, um, it's important that the mission is established because it establishes really what we do. Um, it establishes the, the group that we serve, uh, the focus that we have on a daily basis, and, and ultimately, um, you know, what our purpose is. The vision, on the other hand, talks specifically about where we want to go. Where do we want to be? What do we aspire towards someday down the road, whether it's in the, in the near or the distant future? And so the two are, are are almost pretty unique from one another, but they're they're necessary partners in the process of developing a strategic plan. And then as a, a third part of a strategic plan is to develop some core values. You know, what are the principles that the university athletic department or even the organization want to follow? And those core values can be rather simple, 
um, really direct, uh, just a couple core words here and there, but they're real fundamental to, you know, what the mission of the organization is all about, but then also where the vision of the organization is and where it's heading. And so the three are, are, are vital in the process of, of strategic planning and, and really work hand in hand with one another and really work well when speaking with a group of stakeholders, whether it's student athletes, coaches, staff, whether it's donors, alumni, whether it's corporate sponsors, or whether it's even faculty and staff on a university campus. And so we try to tie all those together to create a, a unique plan that can uh, provide uh, really a template for, for the organization to follow. Um, not, necessarily, not necessarily something that is step A, B, C, and D, but more like a compass. Um, it's a compass that's guiding the organization towards, towards a common goal uh, because we know life changes, we know things come up, um, but we know that all of it kind of goes back to the core, which is mission, vision, and then those values that the organization establishes. So in what you just described, something just, just occurred to me, you, you mentioned how uh, those mission, vision, and value statements help you talk to stakeholders. And I think what you've described, if it's fair to say, that that mission, vision, and value really helps give you the foundation, the framework for what we might call how you tell the story of CSU Pueblo Athletics. Would that be an accurate way of putting it? John, you couldn't be more accurate. And in fact, I've been an athletic director now for 18 years uh, at three different institutions. Uh, I started my career at University of Wisconsin-Whitewater and was the athletic director there for nine years. Then I moved to University of Nebraska Kearney, was the athletic director there for five. And now I've been here at CSU Pueblo for, for an additional uh, four going on my fifth year. And I speak regularly to our coaches and our staff about walking into an elevator and having 30 seconds to tell the story of CSU Pueblo. So during that 30 seconds, you better be ready to be able to articulate the universities and the athletic department's mission, what we're doing, who we serve, what our purpose is, where we're going, and then ultimately what our values are. And it, and it really isn't like spe special scientific language or complicated words. Um, it's more natural just having that conversation. Look, here's who we are, here's where we're going, and here's what we believe in. And then the the listener can perhaps act on that and feel like there's something that they, that registers for them. Maybe they want to come and buy, back and buy a season ticket. Maybe they want to attend a, a sporting event. Maybe they want to donate to the athletic department, or maybe they just want to become a fan that follows the program from a distance. And so there's lots of different touch points, but you're absolutely right. It's, it's that telling the story that is critical. And we all have to be messengers of that. It just can't be an administrator or even an athletic director. It's got to be the whole organization. So let's talk about the relationship in developing these mission, vision, and value statements with the institution. Uh, you undertook an internal initiative in the athletics department, but it was really prompted by the institution. Can you talk about how how did you tie in that athletic department mission statement with the university, uh, and how did you engage upper level administration and get their buy in? So, really, John, I could probably write a book about how we we went through that whole process, and and it was very uh, detailed, uh, complex, and involved numerous people. Um, but you know, just kind of to the core of everything, I think 
the, the, the prime fundamental basis of all this was getting an opportunity within my first two weeks of the job here to sit down with our coaches and staff and do a SWOT analysis. The first thing we did together with me on the chalkboard and them in the audience, starting off with what are our strengths? What are our weaknesses? What are the opportunities that exist on our campus? And what, then what are our threats? And so as we documented the, the three, the four SWATs, we were able to establish, um, you know, from there, you know, some, some parameters. Um, at the same time on our campus, which is highly unique and, and very rewarding for me, was that the campus was going through its visioning process. And the campus was, in a sense, doing the exact same thing. They were doing it at a broader level. They were doing it with community stakeholders, donors, alumni. They were doing it with faculty, um, staff, and then students. And they were developing a, a comprehensive review if you will, an assessment, just like we were in athletics. And so, so then what happened is we have these two pieces of information, one from athletics and then one from the university. And while we're kind of moving forward independently, we're checking each other. We're kind of seeing what, what are the common themes? What are the common trends that, that uh, are coming up to, from all the different groups that we're listening to? And, and as we're doing that, we're starting to formulate independently, but also collectively, you know, where we are at currently, where we want to go, and then what are some, some of the core values that we have. And, and so in athletics, I had to spend a significant amount of time doing this on my own because I didn't want to outsource this. I wanted to do it all myself. I didn't hire a company to do this work for us. So I was kind of the author and the engineer of it as I was listening. But then the campus had an individual that they specifically put in charge of their visioning process. And, and she would create the same type of language or this, she would follow the same kind of process to develop the same type of language for what they were trying to do. Um, the unique part was that it was done simultaneously. Uh, the challenge was that there wasn't really a roadmap from one to the other. Um, they didn't have their plan in place so I could follow it. Um, my plan wasn't in place so they could look at mine. It was, it was kind of independent, but also uh, in unison. And then at the end of it, we came out with unique plans, but also specific to the needs. And so to take it to the question that you had, I had to go to the next level. I had to then work with our university executive leadership team to get buy-in. So I had to share with them our documents and, and how we got to that point uh, through the SWOT analysis and through the assessment and then through developing of our mission, vision, and our core values. And, and then they could then see that. But that, that took some extra work on my behalf that I think some athletic directors who are looking to do strategic planning right now would probably have to do anyway. Um, to get buy-in from their executive leadership team, regardless if they've already done a strategic plan on their campus or not. So it sounds like there was some healthy collaboration going on there. I mean, you you were not working in a vacuum. That's absolutely right. And we shared people. I mean, we, we would share staff. So I had a couple staff members that would work on the visioning process on campus. And then they'd have some staff that would intercede in our process. And we were able to work collectively together. Um, it, it was not difficult for me to get buy-in because 
we already had upper administration thinking in terms of strategic planning. They were already doing it on a regular basis as a part of the university visioning process. And so it was kind of collectively together. I think the thing that our, our institution would probably look at doing differently if we had a chance was to make sure all the other entities on campus were doing visioning at the same time, just like athletic was. It just happened to be that I came in the same year that the university was doing a strategic plan. But why didn't we do it in rec sports at that time? Why didn't we do it in the business school? Why weren't we doing it in housing? And so each of those entities were creating their own strategic plans at different times. Mine just happened to be simultaneous to the university's strategic plan. So compared to a private institution, which can be focused on a tightly defined mission, public institutions usually serve a broader audience and purpose. Did you find it challenging in the course of this collaboration to define a differentiating set of mission, vision, and values as a public institution? You know, I've had the benefit of going to an undergraduate school to get my bachelor's degree. And so I had experience there. Uh, my father actually was a professor at a private school for 12 years. And so I learned firsthand from him some of the things that he was going through at a private school. Um, and I can tell you, just as you allude to, um, they're very unique systems. Uh, a private school operates very independent versus a public school. Um, but I think that one of the things that, that I noticed distinctly with the public school strategic planning is that we were highly engaged in our community because we had a lot of local residents who were attending our university as their local state institution. And they also paid taxes and they also have a vested interest in our, in our institution. Secondarily, we also spent a lot of time trying to collaborate with the university system and the state government uh, to making sure that we're complying with policies and procedures and, and governmental politics and, and so we then had to spend some time working up with the university's system, uh, the Colorado State University system that we're a part of. And so it's a bigger, broader entity that we're, we're looking at serving as a, as a public institution. At a private school level, um, it's more local to, the, to the, the faculty, staff, students, but then you have a constituent group of, of alumni, some donors, uh, then you have a board. Um, so it's a, it's a smaller network, if you will, but, but it's also very culturally driven. And so there's a, there's a different focal point because typically private schools have a different mission altogether from their foundations, from when they were orig originally established as, as an institution of higher education. And so there's those basic principles that they've stood the test of time and don't really vary that much. So then when strategic planning is done in current day, those institutions have to go back and look at the foundation, look at the principles that were established a long time ago and see if they're still applicable, see if they still work. Um, we're seeing some institutions right now in division one that are changing their name uh, because they believe that that can help them you know, transition into the future with a, a very competitive higher education market but they're also changing it because their foundational principles have changed a little bit. So Houston, Houston Baptist just announced that they're going to become Houston Christian University. 
Uh, Dixie State has transitioned. They're going to become, uh, you know, a, a different name. Uh, Utah Tech is going to be their new name. So these institutions are finding that as they've gone through this renaming process, which ties to strategic planning, it ultimately ties back to, you know, their foundation and the principles that were established when they were initiated as an institution. And so I think that's the big thing that private schools will have to do is spend a lot of time kind of looking at the past, but comparing it to the to where they are and ultimately where they want to go. And that's where their local group of constituents really have to have a say and input. Whereas at a public school, it's a little bit more broad based and, and politically focused. So after the heavy lifting of developing the mission, vision, and value statements is done, can you talk about the challenges of keeping your stakeholders engaged with continued buy-in? How do you keep it from becoming just a box-checking exercise, uh, after which, as you alluded to previously with the previous uh, strategic plan, it sits on a shelf and collects dust? How does it remain an active document that actually is functioning? So a lot of the research... Uh, refers to strategic plans sitting on a bookshelf and not being used. And and what I like to to try to refer back to is the the principle that a strategic plan is going to help an organization create decisions and, and and actually make decisions that that are in the best interest of the organization. And, and that's that's the whole emphasis of a strategic plan. Um, again, it goes back to the theory of a compass. You know, we're going to get off track here and there, and there's going to be different steps that we have to take to move ourselves along. But the compass allows us to keep focused on that North Star, keep us focused on fulfilling our, not only our mission, but also our vision and, and the, the, the core values that we have. And so to me, it... It's it, it becomes an active and a living and a breathing document for an organization when the leader, the athletic director, and the administration are constantly reviewing the the um, the strategic plan. And as they continue to review that strategic plan, then they're making their decisions based upon what what was established. And for us, it was three, four, five years ago. And what's unique about it is that was pre-COVID pandemic. So we had a lot of things that were different than we do now. Our campus has established a lot of new initiatives. We have a new marketplace uh, with the costs of of, uh, things escalating. We also have new employee perspectives. Uh, The marketplace is is, um, highly challenging with our workforce. And so we've had to kind of adjust with that, but keep that compass focused on the North Star so that we can fulfill our mission, vision, and and our core values. And so... Uh, as an administrator, I challenge my staff regularly to keep looking at what our our goals within our strategic plan were, but then also to use it as we try to make wise decisions moving into the future, which oftentimes is very unknown. So it is not uncommon uh, to see D1 Power 5 athletic departments uh, develop strategic plans complete with mission, vision, and values. Why should small college athletics invest the time and effort to do the same? Well, I would argue that small college athletics should probably do it more and and be engaged in it more regularly than than the bigger schools, simply because it is it, it provides that 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 landmark for an organization to focus on. 
Um, the organizations that have the most success with it are ones that get cultural buy-in. Uh, they're using their coaches, their staff, their student athletes. They're, they're conscious of um, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Uh, they're aware of all the differences that exist. Um, they're also aware of the challenges that, that arise on a daily basis. And then they're also focused in on, on how to, to manage um, an athletic department in a really competitive workforce and, and in a competitive landscape. And so I have always been a proponent that no matter where I've been, whether it's a division three school, division two, and even if I was to move to a division one school, it would be the focus on, on establishing who we are, where we want to go, and then, and then what our core values are going to be. Um, and that, that just makes the most simple sense to me. Um, I think it's a lot of work. I think, um, there's also some pain points that come with creating a strategic plan. Uh, and then sometimes there's some, some agendas that, that people want to fulfill. And that makes it incredibly tricky and difficult to work through. Um, but the Division I schools have, have, a, have established a great roadmap for, for creating a strategic plan. It's my hope that the Division II and three schools, the smaller level schools, will, will take it upon themselves to, to invest in this because I think it, it, it is very fruitful. And it also provides for the administrators really a lot of uh, clarity as they're trying to lead and do it most effectively and in rhythm and in sync with the staff that, that they work for. I, I would completely agree uh, in, in the challenging higher education market that we find ourselves in sandwiched between a pandemic and a demographic cliff. I think everything that a small college athletics department can do to, to define itself and focus itself and, and uh, be able to meet those challenges, it's absolutely worthwhile. I very much appreciate, uh, Paul, you're taking the time uh, to share that knowledge uh, and, and, uh, and hopefully provide some, some help for some folks who are out there in, in other small colleges. Well, John, I've said this while I've spoken to, to specific groups about this, and I'll say it again to you, um, I'm more than happy to help individuals if they're interested in, in getting more insight. Uh, I will do it free of charge, but I'm honored to have that opportunity to help engage people in, in strategic planning because I think it's a, a worthwhile endeavor that will set your organization up for great success. Great. Well, again, Paul, thank you. So, thank you so much for your time today, and uh, I will look forward to seeing you again soon. Thank you, John. Thanks for watching. You can get in touch with our guest using the information listed here on the screen. You can also find it in the video description below and in the podcast show notes. If you're watching on YouTube, please like and subscribe. If you're listening on a podcasting platform, please subscribe, leave a five-star review, and write a review. Help other sports professionals find this podcast. Best of luck in your sports branding efforts, and we'll see you next time.